0: Get in the action, on the Action Addicts Podcast. No greater faction than the action movie scene. Get in the action, on the Action Addicts Podcast. Your satisfaction, action on the silver screen. Hello ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Action Addicts Podcast. I'm your host Scott Wiley and today we are going to be talking about Invasion USA! The 1985 Chuck Norris Canon Films release that uh, is probably one of his more famous films, but it's not one that uh, I particularly resonated with growing up uh, not in America. And uh, I was always much more of a fan of his martial art films, which you're going to hear me talk about in a bit. Because today, we are going to be joined by Rob Antiquera, and I'll let him introduce himself in a bit. But I'm sure you are already familiar with him, because if you watch my show, there's a good chance you already watch the Action Drunkies. Or, as they've recently rebranded at time of recording, to the Cinema Drunkies. And if you don't, then you should, because their show is great too, so feel free to go and check them out, because they're awesome. Rob, like Mike, has been another huge supporter of this podcast, and uh, I recently, well, I'll say recently, depending on when you hear this... <laughs> I have been on their show as well, but at the time of recording, that episode is not yet out. So, all I can say is watch this space. If you follow me on Twitter, then I will make sure to post it when it eventually comes out. You also might hear me and Rob talking on other shows, coming to a future, near you, watch this space. So, Invasion USA, the tagline, or the uh the blurb, if you can call it that, is... A one-man army comes to the rescue of the United States when a spy attempts an invasion. That's a bit of a simplified uh, look at what exactly what is going to happen in this film, but in all honesty, yeah, that, that's pretty accurate. Um, I've uh, I've got some things to say about the story of this film, and um, I think I might have to leave a couple bits for the outro because it's not going to really gel with what you're about to hear in our conversation. However, one thing that I do want to say is, as per always, I'm always curious to know how well this film did, and uh, it didn't actually make as much money as I thought it did, so if the information on IMDb is correct, it had a budget of $10 million, but it only managed to gross 17536000 Now, that's not bad by any stretch of the imagination, but I thought it, it considering how many people uh talk about this film as one of the biggest ones that Canon ever made, I thought it might have been a bit more, but then I spotted something in the trivia section as I was uh, looking for that, and two things made me laugh straight away. The first is that, just like Commando, the UK cinema version was cut by the BBFC. Nowhere near as bad as Commando, but it was basically for the same things. If you saw bullet impacts in sensitive areas, uh women snorting cocaine, and then when they did the home video release, they also edited out the part where a man's hand is impaled to a table with a knife, which I have absolutely no idea how that scene would have played out if you didn't have that bit because, you know, him having his hand impaled to the table for a significant portion of the scene that follows is kind of crucial to the story of that little sequence where, you know, he's being interrogated and he can't move or fight back because he's impaled to the table with a knife in his hand. Um. So yeah, God knows what that would have been like, but it was restored in 2004 when they brought this film out on DVD. The other piece of trivia is that until 2007, this film was MGM's second highest selling home video title behind Gone With The Wind. Now, that's quite a trophy to have for a film that was made in the 1980s to still have that moniker until 2007. Um, Unfortunately, I have no idea how much money that actually is because unlike box office numbers, you know, trying to find home video numbers is an absolute nightmare, which is annoying because nine times out of 10, that's where a lot of films find their audience. And that's where quite a lot of films also make a lot of money. And, so many films that I'm a fan of can credit their eventual fan base, their money, and their ability to have a sequel to the fact that they did far better on home release than in cinemas. I uh, know one that springs to mind that unfortunately didn't uh, manage to use that to its advantage is 2012's Judge Dredd. Carl uh, Urban and Adi Shankar's film was beloved by pretty much everybody that saw it it is one of my personal favorites trust me there's going to be an episode on it probably quite the way down the line now but um that film didn't do very well when it came out in the cinema mostly because it was up against things like oh uh, this tiny little film called the avengers and uh, a bunch of other big big films that came out at the time it also unfortunately came out at the exact same time that the raid decided to drop and everybody was saying that, you know, Judge Dread and The Raid are basically similar story points. And all of that combined is the reason why we never got another Judge Dread. But it's frustrating because when it was allowed to release on Blu-ray and DVD, it made a lot of money. We don't know how much money, but we know that it made a lot of money. Um, So much so that they nearly made another one and that they've been Allegedly making a live action series that's sort of, but not based on that film. Um, yeah, it's, it's very messy. But my point is, is that home release numbers, in my opinion, should be included when you talk about how much money a film makes. The buck does not stop at cinemas. That is a very old fashioned way of looking at things. The world has changed and it goes hand in hand with my rant from last week about the death of cinema. Cinemas are not the only place that people choose to watch films. They haven't been since the 80s. Many people will have only seen a lot of classic films for the first time at home. Whether it was on VHS, whether it was on Laserdisc, whether it was on Betamaxes, DVDs, Blu-rays, any other weird and wonderful format that came in between since before or after um 4K. You know, it's one of those things where... If you weren't around in in the 80s, if you weren't around in the 70s, 60s, the 90s now, uh, well, you couldn't have seen it in the cinema, could you? So these films don't just lose their magic because you're not watching them in the cinema. And the fact that people are still buying some of these films, that they're still in demand for Arnold Schwarzenegger films, for Sylvester Stallone films, the fact that these people still have an appeal... Some 30, 40 years after their prime heyday of being these big, massive, multi-million blockbuster sellers, just goes to show you that we shouldn't just be thinking of, oh, well, this film made X amount of money in the cinema, so it either was a massive success or it was a massive failure, because as time goes on, cult classics massively change. Uh, so many films that failed when they were originally released are now considered classics, and you cannot imagine why people couldn't gel with a film. And it, it, it just infuriates me that because they didn't make money at the exact moment that they were required to, that they're classed forevermore as a bomb or a failure, and they'll get savaged by critics because it's funny how often those two, especially back in the day, went hand in hand. Anyway, without me going on another rant, we're gonna Throw it over to myself from a while back and I was having a lovely conversation with Rob and we're gonna go right there in just a moment. But before I do, I wanna reiterate something and that is that, oh my god, guys, thank you so much for choosing to listen to me. The response from the Spider-Man episode has been immense. The Commando episode has continued to find audiences. I had a fantastic conversation today at the time of recording with an absolutely gigantic podcast group Um, and they have been doing this for over 10 years and they found me through a recommendation and the fact that so many people seem to be picking up what I'm putting down it makes me very happy and I'm probably going to say this more and eventually I'll stop because I know it's going to probably get frustrating but uh, I'm absolutely loving this and I'm loving you guys so feel free to reach out feel free to tag me on socials. Feel free to say hello. I don't buy... I've responded to everybody that's uh, chosen to initiate communication with me. I see I've already got a couple of people on Twitter that literally tagged me to tell me they've never seen Invasion USA before and they were gearing up for this episode to drop by finally, you know, renting it or buying it and watching it. And that is more than I could have ever hoped for this podcast. If I'm literally... Allowing people to discover films that they've never heard of before, then that's my job done. Ne- never mind talking critically or not critically about films. I'm I'm in heaven just knowing that I'm spreading the love of this genre that I have always loved from day one. So yeah, this is uh this is something pretty special, and I I hope that you will continue to join me on this journey. Like I said, the episodes to come are going all over the place, man. And there's some pretty crazy films and there's some pretty interesting stuff from me that hopefully you'll hear pretty soon. But until such time, guys, I'm going to throw it over to myself. So myself, take it away, enjoy the chat, and I'll see you in the outro. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the actual chat. I am joined by Rob Antiquera. And would you kindly introduce yourself, sir, for the people that don't know who you are?
1: I am Rob Antiquera, the cinema drunkie. Of course, uh, you can hear me over at the Cinema Drunkies podcast with my brother, Mac, the All-Star, as well as the House of Screams podcast, hosted by my dear friend, uh, Candy, the Final Girl, where we talk about horror movies of all kinds. And uh, yeah, just so happy to be here on on the show. I know you this has been a big passion project for you, so I'm really excited to talk to you and talk about some action movies. Yes, yes.
0: Passion Project is code for it's taken a long-ass time to get off the ground and a lot of effort and work and willpower. <laughs> 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 and I got to say, folks, if you're not listening to the of a Drunkies podcast, then you should be because that's one of the two that I always keep up to date with. So, yeah, highly recommend these guys if you're not listening to them. You need to fix that right now
1: absolutely and of course uh your episode on the cinema junkies is coming out soon so uh stay tuned for that everybody
0: yes yes enjoy enjoy all right so today we are talking about invasion usa as i previously stated a bunch of interesting facts about the film in my intro i'm sure and and uh i thought that i had seen this film before and as I watched it, I am still convinced I've seen it before, but I don't think I'd actually seen it since I was a kid. Um mm-hmm. I thought it was one I'd seen, you know, not too long ago when I did my brief Chuck Norris re-marathon when they started bringing out his films on Blu-ray, at least over here. But actually, I don't think that was one of them. I think I was getting confused with a different one um, where he plays a very similar character because, you know, Chuck Norris films give him such breadth of characters to play. Uh, oh, absolutely.
1: <laughs> absolutely (laughs)
0: Uh, but i gotta say um i can definitely see me absolutely loving this film as a kid and i can see me loving this film in the 90s uh watching it today though (laughs) i uh i had an existential crisis i think at one point during this film where i was like did the people making this like know what was going to happen. This, this film feels like one of those warning messages that you get in a time capsule that the, the crazy people made and everyone just laughed at them. And then all this stuff, I just kept noticing and it was like, what did they use a time machine or something? <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh yeah, 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 definitely. It's a, definitely a different film now than it was, uh, uh, even a couple of years ago. Um, yeah. A couple of years ago, like, yeah, I used to watch this with uh, Reckless Abandon, because uh, this is a- actually uh, my favorite Chuck Norris movie. I, I love this movie so much. Um, used to, there used to be a channel on a... Well, the, the channel's still there, uh, but it's known as the CW11, and before that, it was WB11. But before that, it was WPIX Channel 11, and they used to call themselves New York's Movie Station, and they would show, like, all kinds of movies, like, movies that basically made me the film fan I am today. They would show like The Wraith, Dolph Lundgren's Punisher, uh, they would show The Gate, um, like all kinds of stuff. Uh and this was one of the ones that they they showed. They showed this one a lot. So I saw this one a lot as a kid. Like they would show this one all the time. So uh God bless the the program director of that channel because uh there were certain movies they showed all the time and this was one of them. So I was sitting there like, yeah. I was kind of like uh to, to, to pay in perspective, um, I was kind of like an outsider in my house because nobody really was a Chuck Norris fan in my house. Like my father couldn't stand his movies. Uh, neither did my mother. Uh uh, my father, like every time Chuck Norris comes up, uh, he thinks about the, the missing in action movies and he hates those movies. He thinks they're so he's like the fucking Braddock dodging bullets and like he's in the Matrix. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah like and so i i was the only one that was like no i, I like chuck norris you know what i'm saying uh Ch- chuck chuck is cool like you know uh I, I like his movies and uh this was but this one is definitely my my favorite chuck movie uh invasion usa i i really uh it, it seems to me that this is the one like when you think of chuck norris facts uh like this is the movie that comes to mind because it's, it's like you know uh like all those feats they say Chuck Norris could do in those facts and shit, like we're inspired by this movie, you know, because like he's basically Superman in this.
0: Do you know, it's funny, actually. I hadn't actually thought about that. And it's curious because I'm going to say kind of something uh, opposite to that in a minute. But um, yeah, I can I can see how some of the, the Chuck Norris facts could have definitely been helped by this film. I think there's a point for me with Chuck Norris films, because it's funny because y- your dad dislikes him. Yeah, my dad is the reason I know of Chuck Norris, um, mm. because basically my granddad was the Eastern martial arts fan. He knew Jackie, Yun, Samo, Bruce, Jet, but my dad was the opposite. He liked Samo and Jackie. As I've said to you personally, previously, he was never a big fan of Bruce, but that wasn't uh, it wasn't a case if he wasn't a fan of the person. He just wasn't a big fan of the films. Um, and right. that was more to do with the fact that he really, even to this day, it doesn't matter if it's Bruce or anybody, if you're making kia noises, he's not really a fan because he thinks that's very unrealistic and only there for the sake of the film. Now, yeah. as a martial artist, I know that it varies drastically depending on what your style is, when you learned, and what you learned from. Because I've heard, I don't know, I want to say a dozen different reasons in air quotes for why you should do a key R, and none of them are remotely the same thing so it really does kind of feel like they just started making up a reason at some point collectively right. <laughs> but um he loved chuck norris in the early days when chuck norris made martial art films or adventure films and then funnily enough missing in action was kind of his point where he just left chuck norris behind and in his opinion, and I can kind of see it, he turned from a 1970s martial arts star with real credentials as the world martial arts champion and became a 1980s gunslinger that kind of just left all of his martial arts stuff behind. And there are definitely some films where I think that, but I also think in like in this one in particular, even though I'm going to jump ahead of the film, he does have that moment where he suddenly remembers he can roundhouse kick for yes. maybe five minutes and that still worked for me but in other films yeah he's just like look at my muscles look at the giant lmg that i'm wielding that realistically no human could singly wield um and yeah that's when chuck norris and me do kind of diverge but i found invasion usa really interesting because uh, i don't know i don't know I, i'm trying to think how the best ways to structure this but i just want to kind of get all my thoughts out <laughs> before i even attempt it but um you said about it inspiring the facts I was actually shocked at how much I enjoyed it for its sense of realism in an over the top 80s way I'm not saying the film's realistic but I actually couldn't help but think that I I found some parallels between this and John Wick because some of the kills some of the close quarters gun work and how fast he was killing per enemy with a proper burst fire from an uzi instead of just firing it you know all in one go and you know only killing the pigeons flying above him i was a part of me was like this isn't actually very 80s yes it does have its big 80s moments where like 16 people fire at a truck and somehow not a single one of them hits the truck but but when it's not trying to do the big spectacle shoots outs, it's almost like somebody wanted to make a more realistic film but because of the time period the film was made in, they couldn't do it. They had to go 80s at some point and they had to go big. They had to go all out. I mean, the ending sequence with the national guard is just ridiculous, uh, but we'll yeah. get to that. Um, but all of the bits with Chuck in the sort of, I want to say second part of the first half and the last half, they suddenly feel like they were trying to go for a more realistic approach. And I found that really interesting because Chuck actually acts at certain points in this film, and he almost comes across as believable as somebody that might have been a CIA agent at one point i'm not saying he should have won an oscar or anything i mean when i say he acts i mean like he actually shows facial expressions which if you've seen all of chuck's films that is a good thing and not something that you expect by default so but yeah well i'm curious what what are your overall thoughts on chuck's performance in this film and how they how they portrayed it
1: um uh I, I don't know, Chuck is Chuck in here. Um, I mean, Chuck is Chuck in every movie he does. Uh, even the movies where he uh, he, you can say he's trying to make an effort. Like I think of like the Hitman, where where he's trying to he's yeah. trying to do something darker and and more serious than what he usually did. And you know what he did previously in the eighties. um when I think of Chuck acting, I always think of that moment in uh, the Delta Force where. Um, uh, spoilers for the Delta Force if uh anybody hasn't seen it. There's a uh, toward the end, uh he loses one of his his main buddy and uh it shows Chuck crying and uh you, he's just sitting there with that forever stonewall Chuck face, but like you see the the single teardrop come out and like, yeah, that's Chuck's some emo- big emotional moment. He, <laughs> he got the, he's got the single teardrop coming down as as he just he just sits there like Chuck, you know. But um I did, uh, um, you said something earlier and, and I, I, wanted to say, I didn't want to interrupt you. So I waited till you, I waited till you finished. But, um, where you said that, uh, you, you kind of, um, moved on from Chuck uh, in the eighties. Yeah. Where, um, where, um, he, he basically became, uh, like a, a, a Rambo, um, yeah. clone in a lot of his stuff. And I, I very much agree with that. I very much agree with that. I, I share that sentiment wholeheartedly. Because um, <clears throat> he was like, for, uh, in America, he was like the last man standing when it came to martial arts. But then he moved on to, you know, doing movies like, you know, rubbing shoulders with Stallone and Schwarzenegger. You know, where they were just big muscle bound guys shooting giant machine guns. Like, uh, and uh I, I remember, I forgot which podcast I said this. It might have been my buddy's podcast, um, Hit Rewind. Where uh, we were talking about that. We were talking about martial arts movies and we were talking about, uh, you know, when when Chuck did that, like the the martial arts genre kind of died almost like, well, maybe not died, but like, like just really became irrelevant almost. Uh, You didn't see those kind of movies anymore. Um, I mean, you had American Ninja, but uh, you can't really call Michael Dudikoff a martial artist. Uh, But he did have Steve James to back him up uh, doing his martial arts. And you had Shokasugi's movies. Um, but those were very niche. Um, it, yeah. it, it wasn't until it wasn't until Van Damme came out with a blood sport where like martial arts genres seemed to like, um, come back in full force. And then everybody wants to do martial arts movies after that. So, um, I definitely agree with that. Uh, Chuck kind of, you know, left us hanging right there when he decided he wanted to be Rambo and Commando and shit. Um, but, uh, I, 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 I did, I still do enjoy those movies, you know, like, like, like you said in this one, uh, he, he, he really just remembers like very late that, oh yeah, I, I know karate. Uh, he throws like <laughs> what, like, he throws like what five kicks throughout the entire movie. Yeah. Uh, uh and the rest is just, yeah, like him, uh, dual wielding Uzis and all that. And, um, and that's fine, you know, uh, I, I have no problem with that, you know, I, I love, I love shootouts as much as the, the next guy. I was like, yeah, it's like, I, I missed when uh, he was uh, just, you know, he would incorporate that. Like, he, he even does it more in the Delta Force. Um, where he has that, I mean, it's not really a fight scene. It's literally just him bullying Robert Forrester with karate for five minutes. <laughs> at, yeah. At, at, at the end. But, uh, yeah. Um, yeah, Chuck is Chuck in here. Uh, to go back to the original point. Um I it's 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 hard because I I like his character um even though like he's like almost like a non character at points uh I love when they 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 come up to him and tell him that uh his cabin in the in the swamps that Rostov is back and uh like his his emotion goes from serious to really serious like he, he just goes from like Stonewall to like really stonewall. He just like just drops all emotion <laughs> and it's like, oh, that, yeah, that's the, 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 the signification that, uh, he's mad. Oh, yeah, he's really mad now because he's just like, he's just like a little emotion to no emotion. And that's, uh, you know, yeah, that, <laughs> but, that's, uh, that's,
0: that's Norris acting right
1: there. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, um, uh, Chuck is Chuck in the movie, um, No More, No Less. But uh, I I I dig him. I dig him. like you know I I can't bring myself to hate Chuck even though I like a lot of action stars better. Um, I would definitely take Van Dam over him any day. I remember I did a Twitter prompt. Um, it, this was a question that my father asked me. He asked me, um, uh, five martial artists. Um, and you have to lose one of their movies forever. And it was Bruce. It was Jackie. It was Sonny Chiba. It was Van Dam. And it was Chuck. Yeah, I think I, I remember this. I, Yeah, and I asked that, and it was almost like 90% Chuck. Like, a few people who said uh, uh, Sonny Chiba, which uh, I'm no longer friends with those people. Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, There was a few few people who said Van Damme. It's like, I get it. But, like, almost everybody said Chuck. And they said it would have actually been a harder question if I would have left Chuck off the question. Yeah, you know, because putting Chuck up there would have uh, made it too easy a question to answer. So I was like, uh, you know, it's, uh, it, I, I, is I'll be honest. To
0: just... I think the the reason why Chuck lost that is the same reason that people probably voted for Sonny next is Sonny Chiba isn't a name that people remember now in the same yeah. way that they remember Van Dam or Jackie or Bruce. However, I think Chuck's problem is the opposite. People know him. But I don't actually think they remember the impact he had uh, with his films, because unlike, say, Van Damme, if you say Van Damme to someone, someone will go Bloodsport, Kickboxer. And then you can rattle off all of these hits that he had and you go Chuck Norris. Oh, yeah, I remember him. What what films was he in is tends to be the reaction. People remember he was big in films, but they can't remember what films he was big with.
1: And then when 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 you call into the question of like martial arts films, people don't really tend to remember like you know like only like the Die Hard fans remember his martial arts films. Like when you think of Chuck, you think of Invasion USA, and you think of Missing in Action, and you think of the Delta Force. You know. And he's just shooting them up bang, bang in those yep. movies, you know, like yep. nobody, nobody remembers the Force of One or the Octagon. I would say nobody because obviously you and me remember a Force of One or the Octagon.
0: Yeah, I, I don't just remember him. I've got him on Blu-ray over there. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, yeah uh, I know. Uh, see y'all are lucky over there because, uh, just now they announced that their, uh, Kino Lorva is releasing, uh, the Octagon and, uh, Good Guys were Black. And I think a Force of One on Blu-ray. And it's like finally, I can retire those old tired DVDs and, and Scott's over here like, uh, oh, I got my Blu-ray over there. Like, we we don't bitch. have all of
0: them, but I do, I do remember when Force of One came out and, uh, it was the same time that Lone Wolf McCade came out. And it's so obvious which film got more love because Force of One has this terrible artwork that I think was just like an old promotional poster. It's just like ch- a shadow that kind of looks like Chuck in a, like a yoga pose with a triangle around him. And then the, yeah. the, the front cover for Lone Wolf McCade is literally like the sort of artwork you see on a Eureka Entertainment DVD nowadays or 88 mm-hmm. films that's been painstakingly redrawn, you know? It's like, oh, I wonder yeah. which film is more
1: popular. <laughs> right, right. I, I, and to tell you the truth, to add to that, Lone Wolf McCade is the only film of Chuck's my dad likes. <laughs> <laughs> he, I think he likes it because of those uh, Western influences that it has, and because yeah. my dad's a big Western fan. So I, I I can see why that's the only film of Chucks he likes. But uh, yeah, and to him, all the Chucks movies are dog shit. <laughs> I
0: thought um, you were going to say because it has David Carradine in it.
1: <laughs> oh, no. It's, uh, yeah, my father's not a big too fan. I'm not a big fan of uh, David Carradine uh, going back to the whole uh, kung fu show. Um, so I think he was probably happy to see David Carradine get his ass kicked. <laughs> <laughs>
0: When did you first see Invasion USA? Was it uh, in the when it came out at the time in the cinemas or did you watch it on home release later on?
1: Oh, no, um, I was born in 1984. So I, when this came out, oh, I was yes. one um, I saw it uh, 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 on television when I was kid. Um, like I said, the uh, WPIS used to show this a lot. So that's where I where I caught this for the first time. And, you know, I I, um, I watched a lot of TV um you know i had two uh working parents so um when uh it it wasn't often we went to the i mean we went uh quite a lot but you know we weren't at the cinemas every week uh so it was uh i i did a lot of movie watching on television um you know cable hbo i saw a lot of stuff on there but uh like i said wpix was the movie that really shaped me as a film fan because uh like all the stuff but like the way that i am about certain movies and um uh certain genres is is all uh due to that channel and like the movies they showed and like yeah they they showed pretty much i think that's where i saw a lot of chuck's movies for the first time was an invasion usa a force of one um delta force uh fire walker um, all the missing in action movies. But matter of fact, no, not all the missing in action movies. They showed one and two a lot, but they I don't recall them ever showing three, which is weird because I remember seeing three, um, maybe like a decade ago, and uh, or maybe even a couple of years before that. And that actually became my favorite of the missing in action movies is a uh, missing in action three. So it's like, okay. damn, that, Y'all were holding out on me on that one because (laughs) (laughs) this this movie's great. Like it's basically Chuck's uh Rambo Three. And uh I was like, it's it's um it like it has like it, I mean, it has a serious plot, but it's not as serious as the first two, especially part two. Um so it's basically just uh Chuck uh that one great section where Chuck just blows up an enemy compound. And shoots everybody in it for like five, ten minutes with that giant uh machine gun that's strapped to a giant grenade launcher. And uh yeah, yeah, that was great. But um yeah, definitely uh I probably would have to have been seven, eight, nine the first time I saw this on television. So okay. uh yeah, that's that's uh that was my introduction to uh invasion USA and Chuck, you know, was uh through that channel. So uh oh. shout out to so shout out to WPIX, uh, they, they were great. Um, I, I wish they uh, there was a channel that still, you know, showed the movies like they did. But uh fortunately, whatever, this is why yeah. I had to. This is why um i become such a dominant uh, physical media collector. And now I've run out of room. So I have a, a lot of stuff in storage because I just don't have anywhere to put shit. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, kinda, I, I, I have... am right with you there. Don't worry. <laughs> this this is the issues of physical media collectors yeah we, we're like you know uh we get all this shit and then we ain't got no way to put <laughs> i uh and
0: i'm and i'm really sorry listeners by the way because we're, we're going off the rails again a bit but i i saw a photo online the other day and i thought when i when we eventually move into a house it's got to have a basement and i'm turning that basement into a giant blu-ray and dvd collection just racking that thing out with bookshelves
1: and nothing else (laughs) absolutely absolutely the same here but uh going to the film itself uh i
0: uh, watched it i think around about the same age um but that was not my introduction to chuck uh because i was born in 91. so Mm. by the time i was old enough to start watching chuck norris stuff walker texas ranger was already a huge massive hit pretty much everywhere um, I didn't actually watch it like that when it was on, uh, but I did see the odd episode, and then later on, I saw it on reruns, and uh, I've seen them all now. But at the time, I think I started with his martial arts stuff, but I also had to endure his more kid-friendly stuff. I distinctly remember that the first proper Chuck Norris film I can remember watching and knowing that this was Chuck Norris from Walker, Texas Ranger, was actually Top Dog. Mmm, Top Dog oh yeah <laughs> I, <laughs> which which I, as a kid i really liked uh rewatching it as an adult it was like
1: oh my god
0: never again
1: <laughs> and, and and not to, not to go on a tangent but top dog is such a weird movie because it's a family it's supposed to be a family-friendly movie but it has him fighting neo-nazis yep who, who will like uh do terrorist bombings and it's like holy shit that's like, because
0: and i'm gonna say something really controversial here when we well i say we i know you're slightly older than me but when we were younger we lived in a simple world nazis were the bad guys end of discussion <laughs> you could kill yes. them and that was family friendly
1: <laughs> right oh no, yeah yeah yeah, yeah. It, um, we, uh, it, it's um it's talked about all the time how like uh nazis were just like a lot of the you know really the easy go-to villains of like an action movie yeah like uh like like every like a lot of, of action movies are just like oh like who, who do we make the bad guys uh nazis They're like oh yeah like everybody hates nazi you know what i'm saying punch a nazi in the face you know what i'm saying <laughs> like and it's just yeah 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 but it was like it, it's weird to see it in such a like something that's supposed to be a family friendly movie it's about a guy and his his partner who's a dog and they're chasing down nazis who blow up buildings and it's just like jesus christ chuck
0: <laughs> ah another fun fact about this film is of course it was made by canon films which has a mm-hmm. glorious legacy all in of their own right and i mm-hmm. i actually quite recently watched the electric boogaloo documentary um yeah that's a great one it took me a bit of work to find it because it's not available on streaming services here so i had to go out of my way to try and track it down Ooh. and uh it was funny because they actually mentioned this film specifically in a couple of others and that was one of the reasons i was like oh yeah i remember that oh uh, i'm gonna i'm gonna do that as one of the episodes and uh i'm gonna do one of the others as well so a uh, teaser for the future runaway train is one of my next ones but yeah. uh i uh i found it really interesting watching this film as i already said but the plot of this film, I uh, I sent it to someone that I work with today because he'd never heard of the film. Um, I mean, he's significantly younger than both of us. And he read the plot and he just typed back, holy fuck. <laughs> <laughs> and he was like, that sounds amazing. How have I never heard of
1: this? <laughs> yeah, and it's like,
0: yeah, yeah on I don't even know if there was ever a time when the plot of this film would have ever sounded anything other than insane. But actually seeing it executed is just so strange and so weird. So we are obviously going to talk spoilers in the show for the people listening, but this film came out in the 80s. I don't think you can really hold us to expecting us to not talk about spoilers. (laughs) And at the end of the day, we're going to talk about a film. So I want to talk about the spoilers. And admittedly, it's a Chuck Norris film. He kills them all. It's not hard to work this out. Anyway, oh, yeah. with that out of the way, uh I don't know what uh <laughs> what what what's more controversial to talk about first. The fact that you had a terrorist attack happening on American soil before a terrorist attack actually happened on American soil, or the fact mm-hmm. that there is a scene during said terrorist attack where they dress up as police officers and go and kill a bunch of people who may or may not be of a different ethnic origin to the local population and use that as a way to incite riots from said population as an excuse to then join in and put them down with guns. And at that point, I was like, did someone from the future go back in time and make this film as a warning? Because I feel like they were picking up on something coming through those cosmic rays, man. (laughs)
1: Oh yeah. Um. Uh. This is this is why I said. Uh. This is a movie that uh, a couple years ago I would have watched with Reckless Abandon, and now it's just like, oh, okay, yeah. This is um. This is kind of like you know saying, yeah. It's it 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 is weird, you know, and it's it's weird because it's like you have those points. Um, uh, and, and like, like you just stated, you know, you have, uh, terrorists dressing up as police officers who, um, uh, executing, uh, uh, different ethnic groups. Um, I'm pretty sure that they were cu- supposed to be Cuban. Uh, even though, uh, one of the actors is actually Puerto Rican because I remember him from batteries not included in Leviathan. Um. Oh, that's fine. He was in batteries not included. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he's actually Puerto Rican. Um, <laughs> to, if I remember correctly, he's Puerto Rican, like myself. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, and it's weird because it is, it, like, basically when this movie came out, it was almost like a right-wing fantasy. Um, really just like, uh, very, uh, Republican, you know, cause obviously Chuck is a Republican. And, um, he, uh, you know, and, this was considered laughable, you know, uh, like, oh yeah, right wing fantasy, you know, and then it's just like, oh shit, uh, maybe, maybe they had a point, <laughs> you know what i <laughs> Like, you and, 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 oh, know, but it's like, but, you know, uh, it's considered laughable because, you know, it's just Chuck killing them all. Then you look at something like, uh, that had a similar plot, uh, Red Dawn that came out the year before, and that's going for a more realistic, uh, war on America. And like, you know, you have these uh, uh, children becoming uh, guerrilla soldiers in in America and having to fight back Russians, and, you know, and it, it's just like. And, and you think about it, and it's like, yeah, that. Because um, I remember having a discussion about Red Dawn on my buddy's podcast, Hit Rewind, uh, my buddy Michael Cook, and uh, we were talking about how like much of a right wing fantasy it is, and it's just like. Yeah, like, it's weird that you go for a movie that's clearly just seems so over the top and then, like, you have those moments in there that feel a little too close to home, you know? And just, like, ugh. Uh, Like, like, why does fucking reality have to somewhat ruin movies from my childhood, you know? Uh.
0: I don't think it, it ruined it. It was more... Like you say, yes, there is that whole were they right? And it's like, no, I don't think they were... I don't think they were that smart. I, I it, You know, that's a pure accident. No. I just think yep. that whoever wrote it just thought of the most easiest ways to manipulate vast swaths of people. And unfortunately, later on, uh, people actually just did it because they yeah. came to the same conclusion. Um I do find it interesting, though, watching the film, like you just said, it's unrealistic because Chuck basically becomes... A one man spirit of vengeance that just appears wherever there is trouble, no matter how yes. far away it is. Cause that was a bit, that was a bit weird, but yeah. it, it really does feel like two different films were just smooshed together because all the stuff that's the, from the terrorist point of view and feels like it came out of a different film that was trying to go for realism. Like I yeah. love listening to them interact with each other the planning the fact that they broke off into cells the fact that they are not communicating it's like this is very much how groups like this operate in a time when not everybody knew how groups like this operated so clearly somebody knew what they were talking about or did their research and then it feels like somebody took the script and went this is an awesome way to set an action film all we gotta do is change it so that a one man comes in and wrecks their day and, uh, yeah. we'll, be, we'll be golden. It's so, it's such a weird film. Like all of the, you know, there's a sequence in this film, folks, where people literally start shooting rocket launches at your house and blowing yeah. people up in the middle of a housing estate. And I just was like, this, I, how is this film not talked about more, especially given what's happened over the past sort of 10 years in your wonderful home country? Cause I will also stress folks, even though it's pretty obvious, I'm not American. So I'm perhaps not the best qualified to talk about all of this stuff,
1: but here's my opinion. Wait, Scott, you're not American. I I, I couldn't tell. (laughs)
0: Uh, I, uh, I got, so so on a personal level um i won't say what it was about but i remember talking to a good friend of the podcast previous guest guest mike scott about something that happened in america and i i i kind of brushed it off as like uh oh yeah i mean i i saw that on the news and you know i get it but at the same time i don't get why it's such a big deal and he just corrected me on that one because <laughs> again i'm not in america so for me it's like it was on the news once that it's gone for him it's like no. still still raw still real and it's oh, yeah. so easy to forget that when you're not dealing with it day in and day out i mean for me where do you, you know everybody really in the in the world right now can relate to what's going on with the pandemic and that's a different films discussion but uh I can completely believe that the people in this film would react the way they react to authority trying to crack down whilst they don't trust authority, because that's literally what has been going on for the last two goddamn years. So Mm -hmm. although there are some aspects of this film that, again, as you said, might have been laughed at in the 80s. I've seen people charge the White House recently and try to take it over. And I've seen civilians with guns come out in defense of what they think is right and wrong. And I've seen people basically decline to do what they need to do purely because they have a personal problem with doing so. And all of these things are present in this film. And as you say, Mm. at the time, would have been laughed off as that's not how people would react. It's not realistic. It's not this. It's not that. And now it's just like, God damn, that's kind of scary.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, it should be of note that, uh, the day we are recording this was, is the one year anniversary of the storming of the Capitol. Uh, and it's just, um, I, I could, uh, I could see, uh, Mike's point. Um, that, uh, was an infuriating day. It's still infuriating. Um, one year later, uh, I, I saw, a f- Facebook memory where I, I literally said uh, I have to get off the internet because I'm going to punch a hole through the fucking wall because of how upset I was. Uh, yeah, and um, it, it sucks because, like I said, this is such a right-wing fantasy. It's a right-wing idea, and it's just like I, I, I don't want to get them the satisfaction of thinking that they were, they're were right. Um, you know, like they were right about everything because they're clearly fucking not. And no. uh, the... And a a lot of the shit is of, of their doing. Um, but yeah, it's just like, you know, when you, when you have a movie like this and you have an idea like that, and it's like, yeah, um, they really cartooned it up, um, with this one. It's, it's really like a comic book version. Oh, uh, yeah. Like that's, uh, that sort of idea where it's just like, like I said, uh, uh, after I mentioned uh, Red Dawn, where it's almost like, uh, John Millius was trying to play matter of factly, like, yes, this will happen. And this is how it's going to go down. It's just like, you know, it's just, you uh, know, like, yeah, you have points and shit, but it's like, yeah, but a, a lot of this shit is your fault, motherfucker. <laughs> you <laughs> know, um, not, not John Millius, but like fucking, you know, Republicans. And, uh, you know, I, I don't want to put them all on blast because I actually know a few Republicans, but, um, um, it's like, you know, I'm talking about that, that just manner of way they think like, oh, they're coming for our guns and we have to protect ourselves and all that shit. And it's like, um, you wonder that a lot of them got the idea from this movie. And I want to say no. I just want to say like that was bred in them from, uh, I, I, you know, I don't think it came from this film.
0: I, I, yeah, yeah. I, I 100% agree with you. It is a cultural thing that they grew up with that is instilled at them at a very young age, which makes it nigh on impossible to break. And unfortunately it gets passed on from generation to generation. I'm not just talking about this. I'm talking about all ideologies. Once one takes root in a large group of people or even a small group of people, to be honest, you can't really easily make people change. And in this case, it is a very large group. So you've you've got no hope because yes, you you might change a uh, percentage of their minds, but then that just makes the other bigger percentages left dig their heels in harder. So mm-hmm. y- good luck. Yeah. Um, that's not, yeah. that's not even a subject I, I want to attempt to tackle on a, on this particular podcast. But even if, even if we were on a, on a political podcast, debating the facts right. of the world and coming to rights and making interesting statements about quite frankly ridiculous statements, uh, yeah, I, don't think we, yeah. I, don't, I don't think we're the two people to do it. <laughs>
1: but yeah uh I I have a I have a rule on a cinema drunkies where I borrow uh no political talk at all because uh it's just like yeah like number one uh I'm not the right person to to talk about it and number two um it's just such a fucking minefield uh yeah it's a minefield it's it's uh it's rage inducing um uh discussion and it's just like i i want to have fun talk about movies and i don't feel like talking about bullshit i got to see on the fucking news and i saw my window every goddamn day um so it's just like yeah um it uh you know i this is why you got to give a little appreciation to this movie because i I felt like they they had that idea but they was like yeah let's just comic book it up you know just make it like just where it's like really just, I mean, they have this idea, but it's just like, you know, when you look at the movie on the whole, it's just so goddamn unbelievable, you know, that this one man uh, is basically Superman. He knows where all the terrorist uh, uh plots are happening and he shows up. and Oh, just yeah, that, like fucking... that, that,
0: that really got to me by the end of the film. It was like any any terrorist does anything anywhere in America. Chuck Norris will be there standing on the roof. Squinting his eyes at you, it's time to die. And I was just <laughs> like, "How is he? What is he psychic?"
1: <laughs> right, right. Like, no, he just he just knows. He just knows. Uh, he he just knows wherever this is happening, and uh, he he will be there. Except that one time at the what was it, the carnival, but he wasn't there, and yeah. he's just like uh, that. Uh, totally
0: confused me because not only I was Chuck I... not there, but we weren't there. Like, it just suddenly cuts to this disaster. And
1: he's like, I wasn't here. And I'm like,
0: wasn't where? I don't know what's going on.
1: (laughs) Right, right. They probably added that in. It was like, dude, you're showing up everywhere. We have to put in one part where you don't show up and you're mad. And that makes you want to show up more places where the terrorists are at. It's like, okay, okay, let's do that. Yeah, yeah, that seems right. You (laughs) know? The the one
0: thing I will say, though, is for all of the the, weird, the 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 downright oddness of how he just knows when to show up. It is cathartic as hell when he does and just uno reverses all the things they're trying to do with my personal favorite being the guys that are trying to uh, bomb the church and they can't figure out why the detonator won't go off. And he's just casually walks up behind them, chucks the briefcase down and he's like, Oh, it won't work. huh? Now it will. Yeah. <laughs> I, that one. I just died laughing. I was like, I love the fact that they just stand there all with machine guns. And they're like, we could shoot him, but he's
1: talking, so we'll wait. <laughs> they, they could shoot him or they could run away. But no, they just stand there. They just yeah. stand there waiting to get blown up like <laughs> <it's just> bullshit.
0: <laughs> but like you said, Chuck Norris is very much like Superman in this film. Whilst I like I said, I stand by what I said earlier and that I really enjoyed some of the gun sequences. There were other ones where he was just flat out Superman. Or Batman, depending on whether or not they wanted him to do that uh, old ninja trope of being there one second and then disappearing into the crowd with a change of frame. (laughs) And that made me chuckle so much because normally when that's done, there's usually like some logical explanation, like lots of people move in front of the camera or something will distract people. In this, it was literally just Chuck is here. The camera cuts right. away.
1: Chuck is not here. Goodbye. Nah. No. <laughs> right, right. And, and and they don't have like him with like with a buddy who like uh, is keeping tabs on them. Like, oh yeah, they're gonna be here. They're gonna be there. Which you know you would see like in in another movie. Like you know he would have like his uh like you know any other action hero would have like a buddy who's like uh you know I, I don't know like fucking on a computer hacking the system or he just have people on the underground who's giving him information so he can give the Chuck. No, yeah. Chuck just knows. Chuck just knows where everybody's at all the
0: time. Chuck just turns into an eagle, flies over to where he needs to be, and then turns back into a
1: human. Yeah, that, that, that uh, would make that, a good
0: film. I I think Chuck could enjoy that.
1: Not, he did something like that. The Forest Warrior, when yeah, he turned he to animals. <laughs> That's what I was referencing. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> a, this is actually an unofficial sequel. <laughs> That's how he knew. He's the spirit of the forest.
1: <laughs> yeah, right.
0: Ah, <laughs> uh, I really I I got to say I really enjoyed um the performances of all the villains as I previously said, but uh, I got to give yeah. a, spe- a special shout out to uh Rusta, who just ah oh, he his, his getting angry voice was just spectacular. I mean, he threw some epic tantrums in, in throughout yeah. this film. It Like yeah. you say, it really Helped to take you out of the This is super serious, and then suddenly It was like, oh no, 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 this is an 80s action film, this is totally Over the
1: top uh- <laughs> Right, right, right Yeah, Richard Lynch is, is Just such a, he was such a Just a, an incredible uh, Presence on screen, and I Like that, w- what I really Like about this movie is that Rostov is clearly Terrified of Chuck, uh, Matt Hunter. The, he's he's clearly terrified. He has nightmares uh, about uh, Matt coming to to kill him. The, yeah, when he he was about to blow up uh, some uh, embassy, was, wasn't that? Yeah, yeah. And 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 Chuck just shows up behind him. It's time to die, and he's just like frozen in fear. Like you know, the, I, I, it, it's 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 incredible that they... You know I'm it might have played also into Chuck's ego because Chuck did have an ego to him um no <laughs> <laughs> that uh like yeah like let's have the, the the villain scared of me like throughout the entire movie like the the reason like what's funny about it is that Chuck the the man hunter was just going to stay in his swamp cabin he wasn't even gonna get involved and the only reason he get it he got involved was because they attacked him because Rostov was fucking scared of him. Yeah, and you know, like we we, we got to kill him because I'm scared this guy is going to come and get us and shit. But like, you only pissed him off and now he's coming to get. Them. So your yep. whole plan failing was your own fucking fault because you killed like
0: problem. one of his friends in the process. So
1: you know, yeah, that, that and, was and, it, man. Uh, time to die and and hurt his pet armadillo. Uh, oh yes. The, 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 Yeah, you see the armadillo limping and falling over, like, oh, you know, like my armadillo's hurt. Now I'm mad. And then he just goes off. Like, he doesn't, he he just changes his shirt, wears the same blue jeans, and just gets two Uzis and just kills every bad guy there is. Yep. Like, good old denim on Demon look. Lady, a tuxedo.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I am, it's funny actually, because the same complaint that we have made about Chuck just knowing where the bad guys are. I'm now going to make the same complaint about the bad guys, always seemingly knowing where he is. Like every time they were like, we're going to kill him. Okay. How are you going to find one man who could be anywhere in the country and probably isn't checking into hotels using his real name, given that he's supposed to be a black ops, deniable agent. And yet the next scene is some group of their terrorist organization homing in on him like a pigeon. And I thought, so he can find them without any issues and they can find him without any issues you just think how is this not what just let them play out the problem will resolve itself
1: <laughs> right 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 most definitely it's it's uh yeah um they 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 definitely didn't want to do too much thinking on this one uh so they're like yeah they just end up and, you know they find him he finds them you know what i'm saying like uh, you know Let's, let's not get too carried away with, like, you know, logic or anything. <laughs> it's let's funny, just, too, because
0: um, I think the film flat out tells you that as well. I absolutely love the... I I still can't... I wasn't sure if they were FBI or just supposed to be local police. I think they were supposed to be FBI, but they there were those three investigation agents, and uh, you had the two younger guys, and then you had the older guy who was, like, mm-hmm. supposed to be the one in charge. And I absolutely loved when... Uh, they were like, we're not doing a very good job, are we? And the old one was like, nope. And I just thought, yeah, that's that's just like a plea from the writers. It's like, don't think about this too hard. It's not my best work.
1: (laughs) Right, right, absolutely. (laughs) Uh,
0: And uh, I thought they had some of the best dialogue in the film, which is good because there really weren't any other characters. I mean... They introduce, uh, and this is how much of an impact she had on me because I cannot remember the character's name. But they introduce that photographer who was kind of supposed to be, I think, an independent journalist, but they never really make that clear. And she starts off, and you think, "Oh, okay, so this is going to be the female sidekick, main character, you know, that's going to latch on to him, follow him around, and you know, do whatever it is she's going to do." No. No, that's not what happens at all. Like, she gets maybe, what, four or five scenes in the film and then just
1: <whistles> disappears. Right. And she's always mad. Like, every time you see her, she's always mad. She's, she's pissed off at everybody. She's pissed off at Chuck. She's just pissed all the time. And it's just like, okay, the, she's the, the mad photographer. This is her character. This is all there is to her. There's nothing else to her, but she's a photographer who's mad. Uh. It's a shame
0: too, because the actress that played her, I really liked. And I thought she, like you say, she was always mad, which by the end was kind of, all right, this is this is kind of like played out now. But in the beginning, I was like, oh, I want to know more about her story. Like she had some pretty good one-liners against the cops, against Chuck when he first showed up. And I love the fact that she just kept calling him Cowboy because she never really knew his name. And then all of a sudden she just knows his name, which is just brilliant. Um, but yeah, they just do nothing with her. I mean... I know there are people out there that complain about underwritten female characters, but if you ever wanted a definition of one, I think this might be it. Right.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, funny enough that, uh, uh, Chuck actually wanted Whoopi Gober to play that part. And, uh, Cannon was just like, no, no. And, uh, I wonder why, um, uh, also, um, that would have been interesting to, 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 if they actually would have gotten Whoopi to to play that part, because it would have been interesting to see how that part would have ended up in 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 her hands, you know, yeah, um, especially you know considering how how funny Whoopi is, you know, what I'm saying that that probably would have added a little bit more to the character other than just mad photographer lady, you know.
0: Yeah, I, I'd imagine they'd also expand the role and probably go down the route of actually making her have some level of importance to the. The last stand, so to speak.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Most definitely. But yeah, that was, uh, uh yeah. The, they definitely just, just decided to have a lady in there. Just, you know, I guess they felt like they needed to have a, a a woman in there, you know, just because, but you did nothing with her. So what was the point, actually? Cause she, she literally does nothing but, um, get pissed off and <laughs> take pictures. So it's like, whatever. <laughs>
0: Yeah, and uh, it's funny too because she has a knack for always being where the terrorists are about to attack. Yeah, <laughs> I, I was. It it really did feel like that. Doctor Fate was sitting in the background, going, "You will all be together in the same place." Because, <laughs> like you say, everybody could find each other so easily, and then you just throw her in the mix, and you think, "All right, there's coincidence," and then there's someone is pulling the strings, my friend. <laughs> right. Most definitely, most definitely. (laughs) So uh, I think we're both in agreement that the story is ridiculous and over the top, but has some scary uh, overtones. But Mm -hmm. what did you think about the actual action of the film itself? I personally really liked it, and I'll go more into it in a minute, but i really curious to hear your thoughts.
1: I like like the, the action a lot in it, you know, in considering the uh, you know, this came out in, you know, the era of uh um big big dumb sweaty beefcake with uh in machine guns. And uh like yeah, like I I like a lot of it, you know. Um, like you said, uh he's not just the guy shooting a big machine gun like Schwarzenegger and Stallone. You know, he's sitting there, like he's got movement to him, he's moving around. Um I guess, you know, obviously, you know, that has to do to his uh, martial arts. You know, he has to have movement in there. You know, it's not like uh, Braddock or anything where he's just, you know, wins, you know, being the big sweaty guy with a machine gun. Yeah, uh, yeah I, I really like that mole sequence uh, where he comes in with his truck and he's just gunning everybody down. Uh, that one that that's probably my favorite sequence in the movie um yeah like the, the, the a lot of the, the the climax too like um it's weird too because um in the climax the the it seems like the more epic battle is because chuck is inside a building and he's killing terrorists inside a building um and that's fine but like the more epic stuff is taking place outside the building with the national guard yeah are going against the terrorists and it's like they like yeah you would think that that would probably be the centerpiece, and, like, you you would want to pay more attention to that. But, uh, no, like, we're really more focused on Chuck just killing these guys in the office cubicles and stuff. And, uh... <clears throat> um... There's not as much urgency to it as it was the stuff that's going on outside, but, like, it's fine. You know, the, it's, it's not, like, you know, a big problem for me. But, uh... uh other than that, yeah, I really enjoy the, the action. Um... I like that sequence where, uh, the chase where, uh, they put the, uh, the, the terrorist put the bomb on the school bus. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and and he, he has to race to get to the school bus to take the bomb off to give it back to the bad guys, you know, so, yep. so they can blow up. Yeah. Even though that bomb should have exploded a, a long time ago by the time he actually caught it and then gave it back to them. Um, it was like, what, two minutes? And, uh, it took like five minutes for that whole sequence to take place. Yep. And, uh, but it's it, it, it's a it's a fine, exciting sequence. Um, even though it has no logic to it. Um, but you're watching you know, a
0: Chuck Norris film; logic yeah, does yeah. not
1: apply here. Yeah, it, uh, I shouldn't be complaining about logic in a Chuck Norris movie at all. <laughs> um. <laughs> but yeah, I, I really I really also like because uh, I'm a big fan of explosions, and this movie's explosion heavy. So it's like, yeah, yeah, that 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 uh, that's the that's the stuff that gets me. I like seeing shit get up real good. And, yeah, uh, yeah definitely a lot of shit that definitely gets blown up real good in this movie. So like, yeah, yeah, I'm, I really enjoy the action in this movie a lot.
0: Yeah, no, I, I agree. Uh, I really do like the explosions in this film. It kind of reminded me that once upon a time we used to blow stuff up for real and not hire a special effects company to, uh, mm-hmm. blow up pretend stuff. But the one thing I, well, no, I'll go in order, uh, cause I have some thoughts about the very end sequence, but I really like them all. Uh, sequence as well. I think that's the highlight of the film for me. It does suffer a little bit, as I said, from 20 people can't hit the side of a truck, even though they're like literally 10 feet in front of him. But I get that, you know, that if you're watching a film that was made in the eighties, they're never going to be able to. That was just, that was just how action films were done back then. That's fine. Um, I actually really liked the, I think it was before the mall. Yes, it was before the mall. It was the scene where he got the information out of one of Rostov's men, and he has the knife in his hand, and he's uh interrogating him whilst also telling the bouncers not to get involved. And I, that whole sequence was kind of like, I like this character. He's got a bit of questionable morality, in inverted commas, and it was kind of hinting at the fact that he has some physical skills as well as being good with guns. Yes, he doesn't show off for a bit, but that's the closest you get to some hand-to-hand combat before the final fight. Then you have the all sequence. then oh, lots of crazy stuff happens in between where you get little snippets, and as I say, that's when he shows off he's good with Usies. Everybody goes down. Re- really, I think every single character in the film goes down with one shot from Norris. I don't think there's a single character, other than Rostov himself, that actually takes some work to go down. <laughs> um, then you get to the climax. I really liked the scenes with Chuck uh, going through the office building. I think they could have been better I think if they'd actually had some of the guys actually give Chuck a threat or a challenge, that would have been nice. And it also would have been nice if he could have alternated more between doing hand-to-hand CQC and using his Uzis. But again, I, I don't know if that's an unfair expectation because no one was really doing that back then. You didn't really get a lot of films that could blend those together. That's a very modern thing, but it's such a shame because Chuck could have done it. Like, yeah, he he was never going to win an Oscar, guys, but action films he could do. And I I, it's just it just felt like such a a wasted sequence. The National Guard, on the other hand, (laughs) I I did enjoy it. Like you said, it was a big spectacle. It made stuff blow up. But my God, did it frustrate the hell out of me that that scene even exists? Because there were about 300 National Guard, (laughs) about 25 tanks. Three helicopters and God knows how much else all pointed at this group of people who had no cover, were surrounded on all sides, and the National Guard fired first. If I was to re-edit that sequence, it would be, the National Guard fire, they all die.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can, I'll give you I, that.
0: They they tried to make it like oh no, no, that some of them jumped off and some of them did this as like, No. You didn't fill you didn't do the geography of that scene very well at all. There is no hint of there being any cover, there's no hint of anybody being behind barricades. They are all out in the wide open, and it just makes no sense that any of them survived the initial assault from the guards. And then yeah. even when they do, they have tanks the other side does not have tanks
1: and the <laughs> tanks fire. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like,
0: I, and, and then they bring in the helicopters and I'm going, "What are these guys wearing his body armor, man? Cause they need to give it to the soldiers of the military of today. Cause they, they just are like invincible.
1: <laughs> right. Right. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. Most definitely. But you know, you, you have to, to, to draw it out, you know what I'm saying? Cause you gotta make it look like they're, they're doing something. Um, they're like, yeah, make a spectacle of it, you know? So it's like, you know, the terrorists don't go down in like five seconds as they should have, you know? Yeah. The, it, it's the We gotta make a spectacle of it, you know? Of course, canon. We spend all this money, do something, you know? Like, we can't just have them getting killed, like, you know, in two seconds. Uh, you know, I'm trying to do my best. I'm not going to go on. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah, do something. I spent all this money, you know, <laughs> like, so I can see that. I can see that. But like, yeah, realistically, they should have died in seconds. Yeah, <laughs>
0: I, I think, to be honest, they could have had that final sequence if they just took out the scene of the National Guard rocking up beforehand. If they'd yeah. come out the building and the National Guard was coming down the street, and then both sides had time to prepare, that would have made more sense. But it's the fact that they walk out into a trap, and yet somehow they then... It's like watching a video game where characters just glitch into position. It's like all the terrorists just suddenly go... And they've moved without being seen.
1: (laughs) Right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Definitely.
0: But other than that, like I said, I, I enjoyed the sequence overall. I really I was surprised at how much I enjoyed the action in, in the film Um because it was made in the 80s, because it was Chuck in his gun era. I was really expecting it to just be over the top spectacle. And as I've just described, there is plenty of over the top spectacle, but it also kind of knew when to go up close and personal and just give us four or five guys for Chuck to kill real quick and establish that you don't want to mess with him. And I think it does a really good job of that. And then it makes you realize why Rostov is so afraid of him. I do wish that we could have actually gotten some backstory as to why he's so afraid of him. Like what it was that happened beforehand. Cause if that was explained, I totally missed it. Um, but I don't think
1: it was. And he, he mentions it earlier when, uh, he said he had the chance to kill Rostov and, uh, yeah, yeah. They, they didn't they didn't let him. They didn't give him the OK or something to kill Rostov. And, you know, so, so yeah. that's why. uh
0: See, see, uh, when I heard that I was waiting for the moment where it would be revealed that that's because he was a deniable CIA asset and that, you know, it turned out he was being funded by the Americans, because that's usually what is the case. If you're not allowed to kill in a film like this, it's because they were right, actually right. working for the CIA. But then they just didn't do anything with that. I don't know if maybe that was part of the original story but it, it just got cut because you know it wasn't big explosions so why bother or something but I feel like that would have helped at
1: least me right right most definitely yeah like it, it, it it's a uh, in in a movie probably if this were made nowadays that probably would have been the case you know uh, you would have had a yeah he was being funded by the Americans you know um, uh, kind of like a uh, long kiss good night you know where you find like the uh the americans are funding uh, t- uh terrorist operations in order to, to get funding from uh the government uh you know what i'm saying it, it would have yeah. been something like it would definitely would have been something like that but uh yeah like like you said i don't think uh the screenwriter um not, not to call him an idiot but uh he wasn't i was to say he wasn't thinking about that you know let's, let's just make a big strong guy killing terrorists uh, on american soil like you know uh trying to take over America so we're gonna have this American who's the most American American come in with his guns and kill all the bad guys who try to take over America. You know, that kind of thing. That was their their, their only Oh point, yeah. I mean that.
0: without being mean, Canon films were not exactly known for their amazing developed story and characters. They uh right. they had a brand, they had uh something to live up to, and they did, for the most part, up until all their problems. And yeah Yeah, i mean like i said it's a really enjoyable film um like you say right-wing fantasy maybe but i still enjoy it it's just one of those things at the end of the day i i really really liked what uh liam o'donnell said over on the action for everyone podcast that at the end of the day if you're watching an action film you kind of have to just accept the fact that it's going to be a little bit authoritarian by its very nature so i agree with you yeah i very rarely let any thought of politics come in but i like to point it out when a film like this is so overtly going to draw those comparisons in these days even though it wasn't when it was made this wasn't the film's intention it's just now what it has to deal with as part of its baggage um i (laughs) i the the very final fight for those of you who don't quite remember it maybe it's been a few years it isn't a Hand-to-hand fisticuffs, it starts off as one, and like uh, Rob said earlier, there isn't really a proper hand-to-hand fight sequence, so Chuck just basically kicks him, and then does his ninja disappearing trick, and then it turns into a battle yeah. of rocket launchers, which was just the funniest thing I think I've ever seen, because I don't think I've ever seen someone fire a rocket launcher underarm before. <laughs> And that's how Chuck chooses to kill our titular uh, villain by essentially just uh, slinging a rocket at him, beating him to the draw of who can get their rocket off first, and then blowing up one of the weirdest-looking prosthetics for a human I've ever seen.
1: <laughs> right, right, right. And then, uh, and then Charles Bronson did it uh, either before, or right after, and in Death Wish Three when he blew up a uh, uh, freaker in a uh, at the end. But his rocket launcher had a had a trigger on yeah. it. Yeah, like a uh, um, a grip and a trigger on it. Um, so the it, it it wasn't the same at all. Was,
0: yeah, the, no, um, his made sense.
1: It. Is uh, is what you're trying to <laughs> say
0: there?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I think um, if if uh, yeah, I mean they they weren't uh, like I said. I'm not trying to be mean, but I don't think they were smart enough to realize that. Um, uh, they could have incorporated a lot of more hand to hand stuff in there. Like, you look at now, like, you look at the John Wick movies where they're like, you know, the, the, the gunfights and the, you know, the fisticuffs are one in the same, almost in the same sequence. Uh, you think of the, the red circle sequence from the original John Wick and you think that that's, if this movie were made now, that's probably how, like, the cubicle sequence would have went. Yes. You know, where, where, where he, where he, you know, he's killing them with guns and then he turns around and, you know, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Fucking him up real bad with his martial arts and all that stuff and you know he interchanges you know he goes back and forth um that the, you know back then it was the era of the gun you know what i'm saying like you know you had to be shooting guns and you had to shoot a lot of bullets and you know, era of and the gun not the gun too. yeah 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 it, it, it's a shame that you know chuck got drawn in, in to that you know because he, he you know he was a great martial artist And it would have been nice to, to have seen him like continue to incorporate martial arts into it. But, you know, he was trying to, you know, uh, you know, keep up with the, the Stallones and the Schwarzenegger's. Like I said. Yeah. And I mean, ultimately that's where the money was, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, especially, you know, with Stallone, because by 1985, Stallone was the biggest uh, movie star in the world because you, you had Rambo first blood part two and Rocky four uh both come out that year and they both made over 300 million which adjusted for inflation would be over 600 million which basically mean he had two movies that made uh accumulated uh gross of 1.2 billion dollars so of course everybody's like oh like you know look at stallone he's making all the money over there uh we, we gotta do what he's doing you know um that's why i always appreciated Schwarzenegger. you know uh because you look at commando because we said this, this movie is very politically inclined, right wing fantasy, and a lot of Stallone's movies are, uh, even though he denies it. Obviously, with uh, First Blood Part Two is a very political movie. Even Rocky Four is a very political movie. Uh, I, I love that Schwarzenegger just really left that shit out. You know, he was there to make a movie. He wasn't, even though like it's weird because he's the one who became a politician. Yes, um, you really like you see like his movies are kind of bereft of politics. Yes, like you know. Uh, uh, Commando, they're they're fake uh, fake bad guys from a fake country, uh, and, uh, and you know he just kills them. And there's no nothing political about it. You know it's very tongue in cheek stuff. Like the only thing closest that came to politics in the Schwarzenegger movie are uh, Red Red Heat. You know where he plays the Russian I love guy. Red and, you know he's teaming up. I, I love Red Heat too. And I was like, and and at the end, this is the closest he comes to politics in it because in the end, like you know he he goes to Ritz take uh uh jim belushi and he goes uh we're policemen not politicians you know yeah and like that's the cl- that's the closest his movies come to politics to show that we're not politicians like he's basically saying we're here to entertain motherfuckers we're not here to fucking solve world crisis and government issues with a movie here you know uh we're just here to entertain and let's let it just be that you know so that's why i always appreciated Schwarzenegger. just to point that out was- no
0: no go, go for it i mean i'm i'm gonna continue this off-topic uh discussion because uh, I have made it no secret like when uh, other people were talking about their favorite action hero for a lot of people today it seems to come down to Van Damme or Stallone and Schwarzenegger is always in those conversations of course and yes if we're going international that muddies the water but I'm talking about just the the ones that are thought of as american which is hilarious because you know Schwarzenegger yes. and Van Damme aren't but <laughs> Right. Um, for me, it was always Schwarzenegger. I grew up watching Schwarzenegger films. I will always prefer to watch a Schwarzenegger film to a Stallone film. That, that, that has kind of changed as I've gotten older. But I detest the people that will be like, Oh, well, st- Schwarzenegger can't act. And it's like, he can act. He, he made a couple of bad films. And yeah, in his really early work, he wasn't an actor. It, it's, it's like, he literally just went from being somebody that owned property to trying to be in films with no real training in between. And you're going, well, he was a bad actor. And it's like, yeah, no shit. (laughs) But look what he did in like less than five years. He completely flipped that on its head. I, I just think like you, he, he always knew how to make films that entertained. And in my opinion, it's what action does best which might be weird when I say this, given that we spent a long portion of this podcast talking about the, the realities. But I think the action films have always been able to bring people together and unify because of the fact that they aren't something that really requires much debate, in inverted commas, uh, because it's just about being entertaining. There are action films yes. that can and do make themselves per- politicised, but that's usually because the story is trying to go in that direction and it just happens to have action scenes you very rarely find pure 100 percent action films that are sat there going how can we change the world guys because they understand what the right. assignment is to use a phrase that all the kids yes. love
1: mm-hmm, absolutely and schwarzenegger always understood the assignment
0: i i don't know if you've read it but um i uh, i have his autobiography I, I read it yeah so the the thing that Obviously, he's not a perfect person. I'm going to say that right now. Like anyone who's saying, oh, but what about X, Y and Z? Yeah, yeah, he's got his problems. And he's fully happy to admit that he has his problems. But the thing that that sells him for me that makes him different to 99% of other people is, yes, he too is a Republican. And as we said, Chuck is a Republican. But unlike most people that are interested in politics, most politicians, he doesn't care. He doesn't care what he is. He doesn't care what you are. Are you the person that can get the job done? Yes or no. And are you going to do the right thing? Yes. Okay, yeah. then let's work together. And I think that's yeah. the same approach that helped him make the films he made, because every film he's ever made feels like he made it better. Yeah, maybe not with his acting ability, maybe not originally with his presence, but like Predator, for example, it had. It wouldn't be the film it is if he didn't have the contacts that he made making Terminator, because. He basically brought in the people from Terminator to help him salvage the film when it fell apart. Right. And there's yeah. so many stories like that. And we're really off topic now, but I don't care.
1: <laughs> no, 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 it's fine, it's fine. I want to, want to add to that part of the thing before we move on. Um, uh, what wh- that movie is probably as good as it is because of Schwarzenegger. Um, also credit to John McTiernan because John McTiernan was a master. Yeah. Um, and I miss John McTiernan movies. Um. But, like, I always say that when uh, it comes to the the re the, the mono between him and the Predator, uh, I always like the fact that Schwarzenegger gets the shit beat out of him throughout the final fight. Because he's fighting, in, uh, like, a, a 10-foot-tall alien from outer space. Yeah. He doesn't stand a chance in beating him in a one-on-one fight. If that movie would have been made by, starring anybody else, like, for, for instance, Stallone, it, it really would have been a knockdown, drag out brawl because Stallone is going to refuse to get the shit beat out of him on screen like that. If yeah. He's gonna, he's gonna win fair and square and all that. Schwarzenegger was smart enough to be like, no, this is an alien. He's stronger than me. He's bigger than me. He's going to kick the living shit out of me. And yeah. that's okay. You know, and, and that's the beauty of him because he, he also, you know, he, he never took his, himself that seriously. Um, you know he wasn't above poking fun at himself obviously with like last action hero uh another film you know, I he's, yeah I, I love last action hero uh I, I, that's definitely on the lineup to soon because i love that movie um but yeah like you know you gotta appreciate a guy like that who's just like yeah you know it, it makes sense it's logical uh he's gonna kick the shit out of me and fine let's do it you know yeah um and and that's why Schwarzenegger will always be one of the top guys um my my Honestly, uh, if we're going favorite action heroes, mine is Van Damme. Though. But, uh, yeah, yeah. which is fair. Yeah. Uh, Schwarzenegger's right up here. Uh, I, I love the guy. But, uh, yeah, let's get back to talking <laughs> <laughs> Oh, no, I, really I, went...
0: I think we have pretty much wrapped up our thoughts, but you, th- there was a clever way I was about to, to signal all that back because. Schwarzenegger... Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, 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 no fine. It did. doesn't matter. It, it's not ruined. But, um, because the point I was going to make, and then you nicely set it up is, We were just talking about Schwarzenegger, and as you said, he was willing to let himself get beat up if it served the story, and it it made sense from a character point of view. And uh, Chuck Norris definitely wasn't a lot of the time. I think there are a couple of films where he does at least have a challenge, but nine times out of ten, like this one, for example, there's no challenge whatsoever, as we said. He just comes in, people die, he moves on, next group. And the thing that made me laugh is as I was watching it and realized that that was the rhythm that we were going to have a little voice in the back of my brain. went, this film came out in 1985, do you think this is the film that Steven Seagal watched and went, I could make a career doing this?
1: Yes. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Cause this, this
0: feels like it's a Steven Seagal film, but five yeah. years before that was the thing.
1: <laughs> right. Right. Like this, this feels definitely feels like a predecessor to something like uh, on deadly ground. Yep. Uh, the, that's that's the movie where it's just like that motherfucker's ego is ginormous it's like every time Seagal walks on screen everybody's like hey, hey he's here like we're saved uh like you know like uh you have the the great uh Arlie Ermey delivering like what like a five minute soliloquy about how badass Steven Seagal is uh he's like he's the kind of guy who do this that the third you know what i'm saying and and like yeah like he's the greatest motherfucker since jesus christ and and then uh now let's go find him and kill him like yeah thanks for the confidence booster with the little fucking speech you gave about how this guy's gonna kill us all yeah i really appreciate it you know <laughs> and, and, it's, and it's like yeah um cigar is definitely like um he was like the new age chump because there was like what I want to say it was "Mark for Death" was like the only time you ever see like Steven Seagal have like uh, a challenge where he was fighting the the last bad guy because Screwface definitely fucking uh, get some hits licks on him. Uh, I remember there's one person he slammed him against the wall, and you never see that in in any other Seagal movie ever. He just comes in, he uh, he 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 bitch slaps everybody with his tambourine hands, yeah, and uh, and then that's it.
0: Tambourine (laughs) hands.
1: Right, right, right. Uh, like, the end of Alpha Justice, I and I love Alpha Justice, but uh, the, the the final confrontation is, is just him bitch-slapping William Forsythe for five minutes. Yep. Like, William Forsythe doesn't get a lick, like, the, nope. the scratching. No, nope, he's just that, throwing him. That's, <laughs> that's just...
0: every Steven Seagal film. I mean... Yeah. Uh... I, I had a friend I used to work with and I, and I mentioned Seagull once and he said, oh, yeah, I, I've probably seen that film. And I'm like, Oh, really? I went, no, but I can guess how it ends. He launches some birds off of his arms and then it just cuts and everybody's on the floor.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Steven Seagal is the kind of guy where it's like you mentioned one of his movies and it's like, oh, is that like uh, you go out for death? Oh, is that the one with the, the Jamaican bad guys? No, that's Mark for Death. Oh, is that the one with the 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 senator who killed his family and wants revenge? No, that's hard to kill. It's like all his movies blend in together. Yeah. Like I think the the only one that stands out is Under Siege because oh, that's the Die horse. You know. Yeah. <laughs> so everything else is just like, you know, is all one and the same. It is almost like the same fucking movie.
0: Same. Yeah. Especially especially if you uh include the the tripe that he put out pretty much all through the 2000s and 2010s to to today. I mean, yeah. it's like watching the same film over and over again with ever decreasing performances. I, right. I, I, I just can't get over how little he does in his films. I mean, someone else does his voice. It's not him doing the fights half the time. It's not even him walking from one point on the scene to another. I'm just like, w- what happened, man? How are you still paid to do this?
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's actually that's like what uh, my favorite my. No, my second favorite section of Seagal's filmography because it's just how fucking funny it all is. Like, from 2003 to, like, 2007, when he was making those direct video video uh, features, uh, like, submerged and uh, out of reach and out for a kill. And it's just like, you know, you can play a drinking game with those movies. Uh, like, take a drink every time it's not his real voice. Every time you see his stand-in. <laughs> <you> be- <laughs> You, you'll be fucking destroyed by the end of it. But like, yep. it'll be fun. Like, it's just yeah. What happened to you, man? Uh, like, that that man stop giving a shit? And uh, I mean, hey, if they still pay you to be in those movies, it's all power to you and shit, but I ain't going to be watching them. <laughs> no, what,
0: what I will say is like, as much as um we both agree that Chuck Norris going to the gun, the gun age was a sad day for martial art fans at least walker texas ranger brought him back to martial arts even if it was a tv show and chuck for all of his faults he could always put together an entertaining fight scene like he could do the work steven seagal had one go-to move that was to flail his hands wildly and hope that everybody else died and i i you can't as much as i might be making a joke guys that you know this feels like a seagal film i would much rather watch all of Chuck Norris's films than never have to sit through Seagull films
1: again. <laughs> right, right. No, yeah, definitely. Even, even like Chuck's last starring vehicle, The Cutter, like he's still like making an effort. You know, yeah. he's still like, he's still trying to do, you know, put together the best possible project he can, you know, it, it, even at his age. And like, yeah, Seagull has just stopped giving a shit a long time ago. And I doubt he ever will again. There was one point where, uh, it seemed like he was going to make a come, like, you know, come back to doing proper movies. Uh, what was that? Urban Justice and, uh, Pistol Whip. I like those. Uh, those uh, were the I th- best. I
0: think around the same time he made one called The Keeper. And I really liked that one because. Yeah. Yeah. Like the, the Keeper's good. Yeah. It, like you say, it, it felt like he was going to have a comeback. And it's funny because I'm pretty confident if I'm remembering my release dates correctly, that's the exact same time that JCVD had his comeback. Because yeah. JCVD came out in 08, and I feel like that's what motivated him to try and actually, you know, put in some work. And I I just think the difference is, is JCVD kept putting in the work. Eventually, yes. he did have some hiccups and yeah. managed to come back. And Steven just went, oh, this is too much work, and just went
1: back to what he was doing before. Right, right. Yeah. Uh, JCVD, He. um when it comes to him, he realized, I, I think he realized that, you know, I'm getting up there in age, you know, I'm full of injuries. Um I remember uh the discussion uh Mike had uh with uh Scott Atkins when they were talking uh on uh the Atkins on the Oh version, yeah, Action when they're talking Fred about the Shepherd. Yeah, yeah. And he yeah. was like yeah, you know, he was kinda of disappointed that, you know, uh Van Damme, you know, didn't want to be like, you know, a lot more physical you know and that he said now, you know, I'm at, you know, I'm a lot older and I can understand that, you know, because I've got injuries and all that stuff and I can't keep doing the same stuff. Like, you know, uh, I used to, like when I was younger and, you know, full of vigor and energy and, you know, now he gets it. And like, yeah, Van Damme real probably, I I believe he realized that. And I was like, let me concentrate on something else because I always felt Van Damme was a good actor. He, He, not every performance of his is, uh, fantastic but like th- he was always uh I- I'll quote uh Dean Devlin when he was talking about him on uh when they were doing uh, special features for Universal Soldier where he was like um that Van Damme was emotionally available to them at all times when it came to like you know getting like doing an emotional moment in the script and like he that he like he liked that about him that he was always emotionally available so like and but I feel like he's been like that his whole career uh um we talked about it a bit on a discussion about Lionheart, on um, cinema drunkies, formerly known as the action drunkies. Um, but yeah, like I guess you know he he came to a uh it came to a head where he was like you know let me let me try something else you know I'll do an occasional action movie here and there but uh, um let me let me focus on my acting and it's it's worked out for the best for him because you know he's really turned in some just truly great performances over the years from jcbd uh i really loved him in uh enemies closer where he played the villain in that um a- anytime he plays the villain i think he's in his element right 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 because because like what i love about him he always has those like he always makes those choices where it's just like you know like an enemies closer where he's walking through the forest and he sees like a what was it a strawberry and he goes like i didn't know you grew in this part of the and he's yeah. like, "That's such a that's such a Van Damme choice," you know. You could tell he was like, "Oh, I want to try something here," you know. He went to the director, and the director was like, "Okay." <laughs> and of and, course, and- uh, you got Mike's favorite line: "I like symbol." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, like that's why, like you know, Van Damme he will always be my favorite. It's like the man has really reinvented himself, you know, for for a new generation, and uh, you know. He will always be tops for me. He's been my hero since I was a kid, and uh, I love the guy. You know, the I love Van Dam on this conversation much. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and uh, thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for joining us on our chat on getting to know us with Scott and Rob. <laughs> <laughs> be sure Absolutely. to tune in tomorrow. <laughs> but no, I think that's a good point as any to wrap it up for here. So. Uh, thank you very much to Rob for joining me. I I hope you had fun.
1: Oh, absolutely. The, you know, um, this is our second chat and, uh, you know, this great one as the last one was. Uh, always have a great time talking to you, however, whether it's like this or like in text, because me and Scott text each other often. And uh, yeah, yeah, it's always a joy talking to you, man. And uh love to chat with you many more times, you know, whether it's on my show or yours. Uh Whenever you want to chat, uh, just hit me up and I'm there. That sounds
0: good because uh, now that you're breaking out and doing a more generalized cinema, I know you're going to need your action fix. So don't worry. You can come here anytime and get right into the nitty gritty weeds. And maybe next time we'll pick a film that uh, there's more to talk about that doesn't require us to go fishing in every other action star. <laughs> right, right,
1: right, right, right. I mean, I mean, uh, like, we're still going to talk action movies here and there, but like, yeah, like it's going to be more all-rounded cinema
0: yeah we're but you, about.
1: You, you you know what i mean no 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 yeah definitely like you know when it comes to the nitty-gritty action uh i i know the place to come
0: all right ladies and gentlemen that is the end of today's episode thank you very much to rob for joining me now before we go the bit of trivia that i was talking about in the intro is this well actually there's two pieces of trivia. One. Is that uh, during the episode, we were talking about some of the sequences. One of the ones that I mentioned is the sequence in which a housing estate gets blown up by the terrorists. And it turns out that was pretty much real. Um, the entire crew of the film were allowed to blow up a real residential neighborhood during shooting because it was slated for demolition due to the expansion of Hartsfield Airport's Runway. So, the Atlanta Film Commission gave the canon group permission to blow it up. So, yeah, that sequence was literally actually real, which is probably why it looks so damn good all these years later. The other thing that I was just like, what? Um, so, in this conversation, we make a pretty big, uh, point about the fact that it just doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. I make issue about the fact that a lot of stuff is kind of referenced and mentioned and doesn't really add up like you know they always know where each other are they don't reveal what happened between them before now like they've clearly got history chuck was a cia agent but a lot of that just kind of d- doesn't really get addressed well according to imdb's trivia page and i'm stressing that that's what i'm reading this from so i assume this is correct but you know just in case it isn't, this is where I've taken it from. Canon completely removed all of the story elements and background characters in the editing room in order to concentrate on Chuck Norris and the action. Editor Daniel Lowenthal has stated that Canon's cut made the film heavily episodic and pretty much just a collection of explosive action scenes. And I'm not going to lie that makes so much goddamn sense because we made several comments about the fact that a lot of the characters just kind of appear and disappear with no real explanation. Uh The anyone that isn't Chuck doesn't really get any kind of character end of sentence. There's just nothing there. And the fact that it sounds like there was, but it was all edited out. It, it just, Oh my God, does that infuriate me? Cause I think there could have been a really interesting film here. I, this bit, this bit pretty much confirms what I say, which is that there are two different films here. There's the film that was written. There was the film that they wanted to make. And then there's the finished product. But I didn't know that. I was thinking it was influence from the studios when they were filming it. But no, it's more insidious than that. They let them, you know, shoot what they wanted to shoot. But then they just edited it together to be what they wanted, which was a big explosive field action fest. And, you know, in fairness, it made a lot of money and like I said earlier, it did really well, so I guess it was probably the right move for the time but ah oh, if only if only we could get yeah invasion u s a snyder cut no, but you know what I mean? it's like it would be cool to see the original intention of the film to see all of the background characters, all of the different story elements that were essentially you know left on the cutting room floor and Ah, oh, that's just that's just really both made me happy in the fact that I wasn't going mad, that I was essentially right, but also really depressed me because, yeah, I would I would love to have seen the original version of this film. The other thing is that Chuck Norris performed uh, most of his own stunts, including the scene where he hangs off the side of the pickup while he's driving through the shopping center. And I got to be honest, when I watched the film... I actually made a conscious thought, and I cannot remember if I said it in the conversation, so I'm saying it now, that the doubling was on point. You know what I mean? It was uh, really difficult to tell when the Chuck's brother or his double, because, um, you know, his brother used to double him a lot, but it was really difficult to tell when it was Chuck and when it wasn't Chuck in quite a number of the scenes, and that was one of the ones that I was really like, oh, man, this is really good. Yeah, there's a reason for that, because he did it himself. <laughs> so, uh... There you go. That's some bits of trivia. So, I know what you're all wondering. What is going to be next? And I'll be honest, I had a plan when I made this podcast. I have a bunch of episodes all laid out, and I almost decided to deviate from them. But I've decided that we're going to stick to the original plan. So, the next episode is going to be Hydra. And for those of you who are thinking of Marvel, no, 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 no. Not that group. Hydra is a Japanese film and it was one of the ones that Action Twitter was very, very excited for. I know a lot of Action fans were really, really curious about it. It's uh, advertised as this big martial arts uh, extravaganza. And I know so many people were clamoring for this one. And I had to bring back Mike Scott to talk about it with me. So if you enjoyed our chat on Spider-Man, don't worry. You don't have to wait very long to hear us. Go at it again because he's going to be back next week and we're going to talk about Hydra. We're going to talk about, uh, independent filmmaking and we're going to go a little bit off topic because that's pretty much what I do in every episode, uh, just as a heads up. And <laughs> so, yeah, next week's episode's going to be on Hydra. But with that said, that's next week's episode. Thank you very much again to my guest host, Rob, for coming on and co-hosting with me this week. It was an absolute pleasure to talk to you. Like I said before, go and check him out. He is a great guy. You will love following him. He posts so much about films, and he's just, as you heard, really nice personality. So with that said, that's it for today's episode. We will see you next week for the next one. Thank you for getting with me into the action on the Action Addicts podcast, and I will see you next time. On the action